is the last coffee house back on track except <laughs> this is a bit of a cheat episode because for the first time ever i did not finish this book this is the complete stories of flannery o'connor and it has been a log jam i have spent uh, a few months several months since before the last one of these literature ones that i did i have been trying to read this thing it's only 560 pages but i can't bring myself to get through it <laughs> i'm about 200 pages in so, in light of that fact, what we're going to do is have a discussion about it so we can move on to some other literature. I'm going to keep reading stories, you know, like one a week until I get through them. But that way we can keep moving along because a lot of the literature ones are just easier to sit down with and more fun to talk about than all the nonfiction that we've been reading. You know, I'm a tad sick of hearing so much about Nazis and gulags. So, of course, uh, then imagine my surprise when I found out the uh, brutalist nature of Flannery O'Connor's complete stories. So this collection was published in 1971. She had actually died in 1964, and she only wrote two novels throughout her life. So content-wise, obviously I'm not going to have as much to talk about as I, I should, but generally there are a lot of grotesque characters. There's a lot of violence, and she loves to use the N-word. <laughs> Here's the description that she gave. Anything that comes out of the South is going to be called grotesque by the Northern reader, unless it is grotesque, in which case it is going to be called realistic. So that was her perspective on her writing and how it was received. And one reviewer who was a big fan described it as, nothing is extra, nothing is wasted. And that's something generally said about a work of poetry, is that you would say nothing is extra, nothing is wasted. Every word, every punctuation mark is specifically there for a particular reason. And so this is what is being said about these short stories, is that these short stories are built in that way. The one story that really stands out to me, and then we're going to go into this description by this author that I thought was very good, was about a woman who was writing a story. And she will have a couple of quotes, but so it had this meta effect of this woman writing a story and talking about the story that she was writing, which was clever and still, but it still avoided any kind of a parody slant, which is kind of easy to fall into when it comes to writing that kind of a meta story. And the stories are mostly simple when it comes to the structure and characters. And by simple, I mean the setups and you're not going to have a whole bunch of complex plot issues or anything like that. Although I'm sure a lot of the characters had a number of complexities, but the stories themselves were simple and the setups were simple and where you are and what's going on. You know, all those things are kept within kind of these clear bounds, which is probably so that the author can use more latitude when it came to being violent or grotesque or within her characters. One person described these as modern parables, so they have that kind of a nature to them. Okay, so this uh, person on the interweb in a place called Preach This Story, Terry Herkus wrote this description of this discussion that she had with a class that was about one of the stories that are in this book. So I, I was reading through it and I just thought it was a, a great way to kind of understand or be introduced to Flannery O'Connor, notwithstanding my lack of... <laughs> of uh, attention and completion of the book. So, Terry Herkus and what she had to say about it. Quote, One of the stories the class discussed at length was Revelation. The main character is Mrs. Ruby Turpin, a woman who believes that she is entitled to freely judge others' character by virtue of her position in society as a good, white, Christian woman, who has status because she and her husband own a pig farm. Their farming operation is clearly top shelf, she says, because our hogs are not dirty and they don't stink. As Ruby and her husband, Claude, sit in the lobby of a doctor's office, Mrs. Turpin quietly makes her assessment of all the other people waiting to see the doctor, then begins to share her opinions with another woman in the clinic who she believes is her equal, a stylish, well-dressed, gray-haired lady. Mrs. Turpin's disparaging comments are an intense irritation to Mary Grace, a homely college-aged girl in the waiting room. 
Flannery writes that Mary Grace was scowling into a thick blue book. She appeared annoyed that anyone should speak while she tried to read. The poor girl's face was blue with acne, and Mrs. Turpin thought how pitiful it was to have a face like that at that age. So just to jump in here a little bit, that's uh, it's such a, a cute little juxtaposition to have the one character who's you know secretly judging and then the other character who's the repository of this judgment being you know secretly judging the other person after one this is returned to the quote quote after one particularly vexing comment mrs turpin is struck in the head with a book thrown by mary grace the student then attempts to strangle mrs turpin during their struggle mrs turpin speaks directly to the young woman what you got to say to me she asked hoarsely and held her breath waiting as for a revelation the girl raised her head, her gaze locked with Mrs. Turpin's. Go back to hell where you came from, you old warthog, she whispered. <laughs> the college student was soon restrained by the clinic staff, and Mrs. Turpin was sent home to recuperate from her injury. Ruby tried to rest, but couldn't because the comment made by the young woman disturbed her deeply. This is the moment of grace in the story. Ruby's certainty about her privileged position in the world and in God's eyes is as bruised and battered as her forehead. Yet she received it as a means of grace and tries to understand what has happened to her. Ruby wrestles with many questions as she later goes to the hog pen to spray down the animals with a water hose. While there, Ruby sees a vision of a troop of people walking toward heaven. Leading the procession are freaks and lunatics. At the very end of the horde are people like her, and she could see by their shocked and altered faces that even their virtues were being burned away. She lowered her hands and gripped the rail of the hog pen, her eyes small but fixed unblinkingly on what lay ahead. In a moment the vision faded, but she remained where she was, immobile. At length she got down and turned off the faucet and made her slow way on the darkening path to the house. In the woods around her the, the invisible cricket choruses had struck back up, but what she heard were the voices of the souls climbing upward in the starry field and shouting hallelujah. End quote. So once again, beautiful description and discussion by the author there. But that enough, I mean, just that description there of that story, the story's funny, it's creative, it's got some structure behind it. Like I said, it has a, a plot setup that is simple, but so that it can be used to get somewhere else. And to just have that little clever juxtaposition in the center there, I mean, there are so many good things going on there. And then I've got a couple of quotes that I ran into as I was going through it, just to get a better idea of the writing style. Quote, a good many people, Raber said, consider Hoxson a demagogue. He wondered if George knew what demagogue meant. Should have said lying politician, end quote. Quote, Lot Moton called his dog, had been automatic with Miss... This is hard to actually kind of read to you guys. <laughs> but so this, this is a quote within a quote. Lot Moton called his dog, end of the quote within the quote, had been automatic with Miss Willerton. And reading the sentence over, she decided that not only was Lot Mutton a good name for a sharecropper, but also that having him call his dog was an excellent thing to have a sharecropper do. End quote. So I just, like, I love this woman. <laughs> She's To have the grotesquerie in her stories, to be so interested in her particular social, sociocultural milieu, and to just have this, this sense of humor and, and all this, and thumbing her nose. You see in a bunch of other quotes, she just thumbs her nose at, at the authorities or the people who reviewed <laughs> these kinds of books. And it was only, it's only Wise Blood was the only one. And I ran into that when I was, uh, I was listening to a class from Yale about literature. And that was the first time I'd heard of Wise Blood blood. And I think I always mix up Flannery O'Connor with, uh, what's her name, who wrote that. She only wrote two books too, but uh, they got much more notoriety and probably far inferior. 
But anyway, just that this is an awesome woman. Uh, so, here's another quote. Lot would be tall, stooped, and shaggy, but with sad eyes that made him look like a gentleman in spite of his red neck and big fumbling hands. He'd have straight teeth and to indicate that he had some spirit, red hair. His clothes would hang on him, but he'd wear them nonchalantly like they were part of his skin. Maybe, she mused, he'd better not roll over with the dog after all. End quote. I mean, it's just, it's good description. It's fun, it's easy to read, it's easy to kind of fall into and get a picture of who the person is, even though this is a person within the person in the story. So it's the person she's describing as a person in another story that's being written by the author in this story. It, it's just... <laughs> I really like it. Quote, he's seen her face through the crack when they were shutting the top on her. Seen the shadow that came over her face and pulled her mouth down like she wasn't satisfied with resting. Like she was going to spring up and shove the lid back and fly out like a spirit going to be satisfied. But they shut it on down. End quote. So potentially uh, overwrought in that sentence, but still, there's just something, there's extra here. So to get in my analysis, the first thing I'm going to say is that I think it deserves its place where it is. <laughs> I'm not sure if we're going to run into Wise Blood actually on the way up, because we're at number 75 right now, a quarter of the way done. I'm not sure if we're going to run into Wise Blood, but the role that Flannery O'Connor plays and the personality behind it just definitely fits within the, in the great canon. But here's a, another assessment here that I liked. Like Keats, who spoke Cockney but wrote the purest sounds in English, Flannery spoke a dialect beyond instant comprehension, but on the page, her prose was imaginative, tough, alive, just like Flannery herself, end quote. And uh, imaginary, imaginative, did I say imaginary? Imaginative, tough, alive. I think those are excellent words to describe what we, what we just read. So I did not finish it, but I could see much of the tethered brilliance in the writing, and and that's great. I mean, it just makes me happy to read something that's that's unique and that somebody's really committed to and has a genuine interest in, you know, that's not just a throwaway, wish-fulfillment nonsense that we see so much. I mean, there are probably some scenes that we could pull out if we were going into it, you know, some repeat characters and some archetypes that are used by her or, or whatever. But there's no denying the brutalist nature of the writing, and there's no denying that there's some brilliance going on here and some extra complexity that you don't see in most, most writing of this nature. I think I'll remember that that story, both of those stories, uh, for a long time when it comes to the, the one about the woman in the, in the waiting room and, and the woman who was, who was writing. Uh, just good stuff. So hopefully we'll read Wise Blood at some point, period. But I just don't know if it's part of the, the rest of the 100, one of the top 75. So anyway, thank you. Thank you very much for listening. I hope all is well, and we'll get on to the next book soon. All right, bye.